That's going to be interesting. Um, so I'm going to talk about mothers today. I recognize that I'm not a mother. <laughs> uh, I've been reading this Jim Gaffigan book. It's, uh, <laughs> the name of the book is Dad is Fat. It's a great book. But he talks about, he says, when, you're, when you first have a baby, you realize immediately as a dad, you're on the executive staff, but you're vice president, for sure. You're more ornamental than, than most. <laughs> we show up for various items that we happen to notice are happening. Um, my wife's outlawed the children ever coming to me for important decisions. <laughs> because I, not because I don't love them, but I'm just not paying attention. You're like, can I get a chainsaw? Sure, you know. If you'll do yard work, fine. Uh, uh, but here's the thing is, well, I'm not a mom. Um, I have one. And I have access to the life of the most important mom job of all time. But I've actually detailed access of it. And it's this. Mary was the mother of Jesus who's called the Messiah. If you think about it, all moms want your kids to succeed, right? But none of us have this job on our plates, right? And we're going to look at, so we're going to um, look at Mary's life and ask, what does Mary's life tell us about one of three things? Being a mom. Okay, so there are moms in the room, to-be moms in the room. Being a child, so everybody's included, hear me? All of us had a mom, have a mom. And even more powerfully, following Jesus. I don't know what to tell you guys, but I was putting this together. Oh, this is a cool idea. And I just feel the presence of Jesus so strongly in this. I don't know what to tell you. It's like I'm shaking. And you know why I think it is? Because Jesus loves his mom. Jesus has a mom. The Lord of glory has a mom. I can feel his presence while I'm saying it. I'm not joking. I'm just I'm making this up. He's like, yeah, I love my mom. So we're going to look at her life. This includes every single one of us. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm really got, not going to invite, just do a lot of my own commenting. I'm going to read Mary's story. I've just put it together in the text. And I'm, I'll make a comment here or there, but for the most part, we're just going to read the Bible, okay? And you're going to answer these questions for you, you and the Holy Spirit, okay? So we're going to look at Mary's life say, what, what, what do I learn from this woman whose job was to raise the Savior of the universe, What do I learn about being a child and how I treat my mom by this relationship between Mary and Jesus? It's fascinating. And ultimately, what do I learn about following this Jesus who loves his mom so dearly from Mary's life? Sound good? So Jesus, we're talking about your mom. I also thought about this. You got to be careful how you talk about somebody's mom. You know what I'm saying? It's a thing, right? And I, 
I think it's I think it comes from the heart of God Himself, right? So, so Jesus, help us to to hear and speak rightly about things that are over our heads. Uh, to your glory, we ask. Amen. Okay, so here's Mary's story. I'm just gonna read. Starts with I'm gonna be a mom. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was understandably greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. And look at Mary's response. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I don't know how many of you guys had a birth announcement like that. 
But that was pretty unique and a pretty unique response. So Mary becomes pregnant, and here's how that goes down. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be already pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Incredible start. With the angel, all this stuff, and it got hard quick, didn't it? Okay, so here's how the birth went down. Those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Remember, this is not a pretty Christmas scene. This is a cattle stall. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The shepherds said to one another, okay, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a cattle trough. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them. In her heart. Just notice that for just a second. All that's happened to her up to now. This announcement. This shameful moment. Am I going to lose my marriage? And now having the baby in a cattle pen. But then these guys rush in. So we saw these angels. And this is all true that you heard. Okay. So she's treasuring these in her heart. So here's. Here's the best thing I call their baby dedication moment. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. He was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, which, by the way, were huge. Lots of people in them. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon somehow finds him, took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of of Jerusalem. What do we learn about Mary, about being a mom, about being a child, about being a follower of Jesus? Let's continue here. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. As you know, when children reach toddlerhood, all bets are off. You will no longer rest with a child in the house, right? Everything you own will be stuck in their mouth. So here's Jesus being raised as a toddler. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi, these kind of scientist-ish guys from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who has been born king of the Jews. We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. By the way, they're saying to the king of the Jews, where has the king of the Jews been born? When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together, I mean, think of it. This is a baby announcement that the king is disturbed about. Okay, all Jerusalem is disturbed. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. Soon as you find him, report to me, so I too may go and worship him. After they'd heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Very odd set of gifts and actions brought to your toddler. I hope nobody's had this experience. That someone or you have worshipped your toddler. Please stop. I know they're running the show, but that doesn't mean you have to worship them. When those guys had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. Herod was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under. That's a pretty rough start. We go from worshiping to escaping for, for their lives. Then after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph while they're in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. And then having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And let's just think about what we've heard so far. About being a mom, being a child, following Jesus. We're going to keep at it here. Jesus was a tweener. He really did live through these middle age times. Where it's shown by science that children do lose their minds. It is because the body's under so much development, less development's happening with the brain, and life does seem that way, doesn't it? They come back about 14 or 15 years old. So, every year, Jesus, did I just insult the middle schoolers? I didn't mean to. But treat your mother well. When she says you're acting crazy, you are. Just be kind, okay? All right. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they weren't aware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him around their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts. Has anyone lost a child? The level of panic is stunning. But they find him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard Jesus was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Sounds like a mom. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Sounds like a tweener. <laughs> Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things 
in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Now, what's fascinating here is Jesus' teen years up through his 20s, we actually don't know anything. Which says to me at least one thing is his mom was doing some really important work. He wasn't out doing ministry, he wasn't getting famous, he wasn't being important. He's working in his dad's shop. So, it became Jesus' time to launch. Mary had this sense. Jesus, you've been been around the house long enough, young man. And so they go to a wedding in Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. (laughs) Jesus responds, woman, why do you involve me? What do I have to do with that? My hour is not yet come. What kind of conversations maybe have they had up to now? My hour's not come, mom. You're embarrassing me. (laughs) She doesn't answer him. She says, his mother said to the servants, Just do what he tells you. She initiates Jesus' ministry. And Jesus has started making proud. You see, Jesus goes throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. People brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This is making a mom's heart proud. But then he starts saying some weird stuff. He says these teachings, he says at one point, he says, don't suppose that I've come to bring peace on the earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or their mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross, their execution thing, and follow me is not worthy of me. And whoever finds their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What is Jesus saying? Jesus, surely that's a metaphor, right? And then what is Jesus doing? All these people are following Jesus around. There's crowds, healings, and then this happens. Jesus' mother and brothers arrived at the place where he's doing a teaching. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Hey, your mother and brother's outside looking for you. And here's Jesus' response. Well, who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. And I think they're thinking, those people. He says, he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. 
Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Which, by the way, includes all of us today, doesn't it? We can all be included in that space. But can you imagine what it felt like for mom at this moment? What's going on? Who is this kid? And in fact, mom and family think he needs our help. It says, Jesus entered a house. Again, a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. This, this was happening. <laughs> They're like, he is out of his mind. Jesus has lost his marbles. But that Jesus says stuff that I think he still likes us. <laughs> like he has this thing in Luke 7 where this widow loses her son. And Jesus realizes, oh, this lady's going destitute. He sees the funeral going by. He said, hold on, stop for a second. And he raises the son from the dead, gives him back to his mom. Okay, and then Jesus, when he's asked, Jesus, teach us how to, to, to know, be in the kingdom, to have eternal life. And he said, calls him good teacher, the guy who says this. And he says, why do you call me good? No one's good except God alone. You know the commandments. Here's how to enter. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Okay. This is very interesting, isn't it? Jesus is saying, honor your father and mother. But he's also kind of got this kind of interesting relationship going on in the middle of all this with his family. So my guess is, I don't know, I don't know what Mary's doing right now. I don't know how she's coping with this. We know she's pondered some things in her heart. But this was good. Things are going really well, but things started to get hard for Jesus. We see this moment when he's in Nazareth, which is at the hometown, which would be cool, right? Jesus has been succeeding all over the place. He said some weird things, but he's coming home. He's coming home. And, and be, we're going to have him around people who know him. And wouldn't you feel like, you know, as, as a mother or father, be proud. You know, Jesus, you can teach good. Go do your thing. So Jesus goes to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And after he did all that, all spoke well of him. And we're amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? And then Jesus says to them, Well, surely you'll quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. You'll tell, tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. He explains what he means a little bit, and the response is this. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. This thing swung fast from where... Everybody's going to be proud of my son to they're literally in front of me trying to kill him. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Which is super boss, right? I mean, what, what is that? You know, he just turned around and was like, no, we're not doing this today. 
And what's, what's amazing is it, it was so fascinating. Brian said this in the introduction to, or somewhere in our worship set today, that Jesus' life trajectory that Mary would have been watching was these two tracks happening at the same time of incredible power, beauty, and hope in rejection, persecution, anger, frustration, all being thrown at him all at the same time. To the degree that all the people that would have been respected at the temple, all the people that may have even taught Jesus the Bible say this fellow is a blasphemer. He cast out demons because you're in league with the devil himself. So this, this, this trajectory just keeps on building and building until we reach the hardest moment in Mary's journey. Where she persists with her son all the way into his public, unjust execution. And there he is, bleeding in front of everybody, displayed in shame to, according to, to Rome and, and most everyone in the city, of total failure. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Look what happens. Jesus is in excruciating, blinding pain. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, John, standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, here's your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. To the very last, Jesus is loving his mom. His mom is loving him. Here's here's crazy thing though. That all of a sudden this Jesus guy shows up again. He's alive. He's not dead. And where did Mary figure into that? Well, we know that Jesus was teaching the disciples. It says on one occasion, this is an Acts. Jesus was around for about 40 days on one occasion while he was eating with them. He gave them this command. Guys, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. My father promised, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the disciples decided, let's go and pray and wait for Jesus to answer what he promised. And look who was there. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. That same family said, this guy's gone crazy. The same mom who watched through excruciating pain, her son murdered, has now gone from mom to disciple. Stunning. Stunning, isn't it? So, let's sit and just ask ourselves this question. What does Mary's story tell us about Being a mom. We'll sit on that for just a second. You don't even have to be a mom to think about that. Think about the range of experience, guys. The ups and the downs, the disappointments, the victories. Just think about it for a second. 
You may want to write a couple of things down or just even, this, is a, this could be a long meditation. But this is to get the, the wheels turning on this. There would be another question when asked is, what does this very story tell us about being a child? Think about Jesus <laughs> in his journey with the mother he loved. His relationship with his mother and some really beautiful and confusing things. Painful things. some of that you may want to put a pin in it because this last one is this is actually an extraordinary question with this extraordinary life Mary's what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus based on Mary's life trajectory because Mary is a follower of Jesus did you know that What does your story tell us about what it means to follow Jesus? purpose today was this, is that the scriptures are like looking at a diamond. As you turn it, you see different facets. And so the purpose is that each of us is going to have a little bit of different answer to these questions, right? So we're trusting the Holy Spirit to apply those responses to, to you right now. And I'm pretty confident the Lord has actually in very specific terms addressed some of us. And I want to, again, offer that same, same advice that Brian gave us early on, is that before Jesus returns, when he sets everything right, we're going to be ongoing, have an experience when we're experiencing heaven and brokenness at the same time. We're, we're, we're not ever going to just get out. Because in, in what I also find is God in his wonderful beauty loves to continue to, at the ways we can handle, challenge us so that we get rid of the stuff we don't need and experience more of heaven. Does that make sense? So if something's hard, it doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. That's, that's the encouragement. For me, I wanted everything to be smooth all the time, and that must be what Jesus' will for me is, and I found it's totally not. <laughs> he smooths, loves me, and then says, let's work on this. Ow, stop that. Right? Okay, so here's what, the way we're going to end was with two different moments of prayer here. And it's going to be based on the bookends of Mary's life. The first one is um, a prayer for moms, for sure, but for all followers of Jesus. Think about the context of Mary. She's just living her life, and an angel shows up, already scary. And he says, you're going to have a baby whose kingdom will last forever. She knows what that means. She's a good Jew. She's like, you're talking Messiah. Wait I don't even, 
I'm not married. He's like, not a problem. The Holy Spirit's going to give you a child. That's weird. But look at Mary's response. Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Whoa, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit on that. This is one of the most, if not the most important decision besides Jesus himself that any human has made. Like, are they becoming Catholic here? No, we're just becoming biblical. Whatever you say, Lord, my answer is yes. Whoa. Think about that. Think about how hard it is to be a parent, a mom. Like, I, I, dads, like, you know, we, we have a fairly passive role in the gestational, you know what I mean? See, we don't do much about this whole thing. There's a connection a mother and a child has that's just different. Like, they'll be fine. And Kelly's like, I'll throw myself in front of a bus, you know. Can we pray this prayer? I'm just asking. In fact, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I can't make you pray any prayers. But can we pray this prayer that whatever the Lord's bringing to us, we could say, yep, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me however you want it to go. Can I do that? Can I relinquish my children? Can I relinquish my job, the outcome of my life, my relationships? Be it to me according to your word. What faith? What trust? Lord, help us. So let's just take a moment and see if the Lord gives us a prayer here. You can just say it quietly to the Lord. Maybe there's a specific thing he's asking you to do. I don't know. If a fear is coming up, let that fear be part of your prayer. You can relinquish it to him. feel like someone just got afraid that you're going to take my baby away and he wants to win your trust to the place you can relinquish him that he loves your baby more than you and if necessary he'll raise him from the dead that's that's really gut level but he loves you so desperately and loves your child more than you it's hard to believe it's hard to believe i know it in our hearts. Okay, we'll let that linger because some of us, we, we may just need to wrestle. And if you feel the need to wrestle, don't pray until you wrestle, okay? Wrestle is important. It's an important part of prayer. Jesus wrestled in the Garden of Gethsemane before he said yes to the cross. Read it, Mark 14. God, I don't want to do this. And that was his prayer. <laughs> he wants our hearts. He doesn't want just our behaviors. Okay, so here's another prayer. It's, the, it's for all children, calling on all children. <laughs> Which is everybody in the room. Jesus... 
in a moment where he had every right to say, could I have a little attention here? I.e., on the cross. His concern was, who's going to take care of my mom? What, what does that say? I, I, don't, I, I don't even know the answer to that, honestly. I mean, I mean, I don't know Jesus as well as I want to. I'm getting to know him, and it's become a preoccupation of mine. Jesus, what was going in your heart where you're about to die? And your thought is, how do I take care of my mom? So that's a question. Could we ask Jesus how best to take care of our moms right now? It's very, very specific. That family is the structure of the kingdom. It is the way that God builds the kingdom is through the family. So some of us, this may be really awful and painful and bring up bad memories and bitterness and things like that. Jesus is not going to ask us to do anything he didn't do himself or won't give you the power to do. Today it may just be to consider forgiving mom. That might be as good as you get and it's going to be a massive win today. You see what I'm saying? Not saying... Everything my mom did was right. or That's not what forgiveness is. It's relinquishing control to God. Justice to God. But maybe you just consider to forgive her failings today. Jesus is here to help us. The one who could do it while he was being murdered. He's got the power that he can give us to help us to do what we cannot do in ourselves. Some of us is going to be some different things. I don't know what it meant. Some of it might be really, really simple. Okay, I will call her on Sunday afternoons. That might be a massive win for your mom. I don't know. So I'll I'll shut up. Let's pray for a second. Lord, show us how to best care for our moms. Jesus said that the smartest people in the world are those who hear what he says and then do it. So whatever he gives you, just do it. Even if it's a, you don't, don't prevaricate about it, just do it. Don't think, just do it. He'll help you. He'll give you the power. In fact, I found he usually won't give you the power until you're in the action phase. You know what I'm saying? Because usually I'm like, when I feel good, then I'll make the call. It's not going to happen. Just make the call. While you're dialing, you'll notice Jesus shows up. All right, let's stand together. If you happen to be in the room and Jesus is not a preoccupation or the central preoccupation of your life, we would like to invite you into that. He's the smartest guy. He's beautiful. He's incredible. It turns out he's God. And he brings us to the Father. He brings us into what we're always hoping for, forgiveness of our sins, restoration with our meaning and purpose in life. So come up and talk to me or Anna or one of these guys if, you, if you're not following Jesus yet because you need to. It's what you're made for. It's incredible. We're going to pray for some... Uh, Jen, can you put the Oikos map up? We're going to, if you're new to believers, we got this rhythm of prayer. We do the Lord's Prayer. Then we do uh, at noon pray for people far from God. Oikos maps are... It's a Greek word for relational sphere. So let's let the Lord bring up to mind anybody who is in our relational sphere who's far from God. Let's get it, 
picture their face in our minds. And let's pray this prayer together. Lord, I pray for the people in my life who are far from you. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples. Amen. Love your moms today. Have a great Mother's Day. And there are flowers. This is why we needed a mom. Shelly, the the house mom. We love you, Shelly. Flowers are on the way out. There'll be people to hand them to you. Be careful. The roses, there are some stickies on them. So...